This is the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist and now certified personal trainer. Uh, the website, mainlyplants.com, social media, at mainlyplants. Get a hold of me whichever way you prefer. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm assuming you can write an email. So, like I said, uh, it's not on the website yet. Uh, this right now it's March twenty fourth. Uh, the web the this podcast you're hearing. I don't know when you're listening to it, but it's it'll be up today, March twenty fourth. I'm hoping to have all my personal training information on the website at the end of the weekend. Um, however, if it's not, or if you want to get a hold of me before that regarding those services, uh, shoot me an email or contact me through the website, and I can talk to you about rates and and everything that breaks down. But now I am. I am uh, linking the nutrition to fitness and to exercise, so I have all bases covered. That means that when you sign up with me or when you ask me to uh, coach you through nutrition or ask me to coach you through uh, personal training, you have zero excuses and uh, you'll get double the results, which is awesome. So, now that that's out of the way, I for okay, I need to get a rant off my chest that has nothing to do with nutrition, so bear with me. But, so I have an iPhone 6, which I've had for a little over two years, okay? I'm with Verizon, and I went on to the Verizon website today to look into upgrading to the, the iPhone 7, because it's been two years, and I found out that they did away with the new every two thing. And new every two was... I used to be able to pay $200 every two years to get a brand new iPhone. So now it's either I pay full price for a new iPhone, which is like seven dollars $800, or I pay uh, like $32 a month for a brand new phone, and I can upgrade every year. And yeah, if I want to upgrade every year, that, that's great and that works out. If I want to upgrade every two years, that's great that works out. But like... It's just so much easier than paying. It's so much easier to pay two hundred dollars once than to you know take to add thirty dollars to my bill every month. So I'm really getting screwed here because it, it ends up I'm end up paying the full price of the phone instead of just two hundred dollars. See what I'm saying? Is this making sense? And she goes, you know, I call, I was talking to Verizon. I don't know what I expected. I knew I should know better than talk to customer service, but. She's like, yeah, you know, this just works out easier for our customers because they get to pay uh, monthly for the phone instead of upfront. I'm like, well, that's great, but I used to pay two hundred dollars upfront instead of seven hundred dollars. So how does that work out? And she goes, well, your monthly access fee uh, drops. So I go, well, first of all, a monthly access fee, if you're not aware, so you have to pay for your plan, and then you have to pay for your phone. But then you have to pay to link the two together. You have to pay to get the phone on the plan. That's the access, quote unquote access fee, right? Just some bullshit uh, for them to squeeze you for some more money. So I asked her, I said, well, what's my current access fee? And she goes, it's $20 a month. And I said, well, what will it drop to once I upgrade my phone? She goes, well, it'll stay at $20 because you're not currently in a contract. So I said, okay, otherwise I'd be paying $40, which is great, but... Don't tell me that it's going to drop my fee if I'm already paying $20 and I'm not on a contract. Just let me pay $200 and get a new fucking phone, please. It's so annoying. And my, like, I swear to God, when, when Apple comes out with a new phone, they flip a switch 
in their laboratory somewhere and it screws up all the current old models make you sign up for the new one it's and i i'm an apple fiend right i'm a total apple fanboy and i i will not go to to android i have you know i have an the iphone ipad imac uh macbook i have all apple products i i love apple but i hate i hate um uh, cell phone providers they're such dicks so it looks like I'll be paying $32 a month more every month for a year, and then I'll just upgrade every year, I guess. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Just when you think, I'm, listen, people, I'm here trying to do the Lord's work and get you guys healthy. Get the world healthy. Some have referred to me as Noah or Jesus saving the world. I'm not saying that I am the Messiah, but I might be a Messiah. So it cut me a little slack when it comes to my cell phone, right? Moving on. This this week. Oh, man. I'm parched after that. Uh, this week. Going to narrow it back down. So last week was a little more broad, right? With all the different uh, things that I recommend keeping in your fridge and your pantry. I want to get back to, uh, to disease and disorder a little bit. Because I don't want that to go by the wayside. So this week we're going to talk about hypertension. And, you know, I talk a lot about cancer. The, the, whole, the whole plant-based community, the whole vegan plant-based community talks a lot about cancer. Uh, it's kind of the number one disease that's mentioned a lot. Um, diabetes is another big one. I talk about that one a lot also. Hypertension really falls by the wayside a lot. It doesn't get thought about a lot. And it's a significant uh, issue, health issue. So... One out of every three Americans has hypertension. Hypertension is just the fancy name for high blood pressure. And almost as many as 20% of people don't know that they have it. And this is because most people don't exhibit, exhibit symptoms. The trouble is, is that when the symptoms do rear their head, it is usually extreme enough to be considered a medical emergency. You kind of go from zero to 100, right? Uh, there's no like creeping symptoms for a lot of people. So when does hypertension happen? Okay, it, it happens when the pressure in your arteries rises and the heart has to pump unusually hard in order to get the blood through the, the body because there's so much pressure. So when people do have symptoms, they include, and again, this, this I don't treat this like a Google search or like WebMD, just because you have some of these symptoms does not mean you have hypertension. However, if you suspect you do, you should go to the doctor and get checked. You should be going for a physical yearly anyway, where they take your blood pressure uh, to check. But symptoms can include severe headache, fatigue or confusion, vision problems, chest pain, difficulty breathing, irregular heartbeat, blood in the urine, or pounding in your chest, neck, or ears. I'm sure we've all done a strenuous workout, um, which does elevate your blood pressure for a certain amount of time. And, you know, you get off the stationary bike or you quit doing a sprint and you can hear your heart beating in your ears, all right? That's, that's a, a, a telltale sign that you have high blood pressure at that time. But that's normal. If you have high blood pressure when you're just sitting around doing nothing, that's when it's a concern. So how do you know what's normal? 
Well, blood pressure is measured by using two numbers, your systolic blood pressure and your diastolic blood pressure. Systolic pressure is the pressure in your vessels when your heart is beating. And diastolic is the pressure in your vessels in between the beats or when your heart is resting. Healthy blood pressure is under... So what they do is they put the, the, um, the systolic blood pressure over the diastolic. You'll hear them say... This, it's this number over this number. So healthy blood pressure is 140 over 90. Under 140 over 90. Did I say over? I'm losing my mind today. That whole Verizon thing screwed me up. Healthy blood pressure is under 140 over 90. In order to be diagnosed as having hypertension or high blood pressure, you must come in above 140 over 90 on three separate occasions when you're being measured. Okay, so in order to you know, weed out any irregularities. Maybe you're coming from a workout. Maybe something's going on. You know, you ate something weird. Um, you need to go in three times, three separate occasions to the doctor. Or you can get your, you know, home blood pressure machine. They're actually not that expensive anymore. Uh, it's cool. It's a little, like, box computer with a cuff. You put it on your arm. It does everything for you. So three separate instances, you need to come in above 140 over 90 to be diagnosed as having hypertension. An ideal blood pressure is around 115 over 75. And if you're at that level, your risk of heart attack and stroke is almost zero. I can't say it's zero because some shit can happen, but it's almost zero. Okay? Having hypertension directly impacts your quality of life and puts you in danger. Hypertension can lead to coronary artery, artery disease. Why did I have so much trouble saying that? Coronary, coronary, coronary artery disease. High blood pressure damages arteries that can become blocked, right? And when they're blocked, it prevents the blood from flowing to tissue in the heart. And when blood cannot flow freely to your heart, you experience chest pain. And you can get a heart attack or arrhythmias. Those are all part of coronary artery disease. Another thing that hypertension can lead to is stroke, right? Hypertension can cause blood vessels in the brain to burst or clog more easily because you have so much pressure. Another one is heart failure. The increased workload from a high blood pressure can cause the heart to enlarge and fail to supply blood to the body. You don't want an enlarged heart, okay? Uh, that's... It, it, when you see like Andre the Giant or other people who are you know eight feet tall, um, they have enlarged hearts. That's why they don't usually live as long. Uh, Great Danes have enlarged hearts because they're such a massive dog. They don't live as long. Uh, so people who do steroids actually a lot of times will <clears throat> because the heart is a muscle. Um, a lot of times people who do steroids will get enlarged hearts and will get heart attacks and heart failure because they have such massive hearts that they can't supply blood to the entire body. Another issue with hypertension is kidney disease. All right, Hypertension can damage the arteries around the kidneys and interfere with the ability to effectively filter the blood. Uh, vision loss is another one. High, high blood pressure um, will strain or damage the blood vessels in your eyes, which can lead to vision loss. Sexual dysfunction, no one likes that. This can be 
anything from erectile dysfunction in men to lower libido in women. So it, this affects both both men and women. You know, a lot of times people think that sexual dysfunction only occurs in men. It's not true. It definitely can lead to a lower libido in women as well. Peripheral artery disease, okay? Atherosclerosis, which is the damaging and blockage of your vessels, blood vessels, caused by high blood pressure, can cause a narrowing of arteries in the legs, arms, stomach, and head, causing pain and fatigue. This is peripheral artery disease. The last one, dementia. <clears throat> dementia can result from uh, narrowing and blockage of the arteries that supply blood to the brain. It can also result from strokes caused by an interruption of blood flow to the brain. So in either case, high blood pressure can be the culprit of dementia. So a lot of people don't realize that all these issues can, not will, but can be caused by hypertension. So it's more than just having blood pressure or having high blood pressure, right? There are some serious consequences that come with having it. Now, Get it out of your head that hypertension is inevitable just because it may run in your family or it's just in your genes or whatever. The fact is that high blood pressure is more closely related to your lifestyle habits than your genes. Even if you do have the gene, right, whether it be hypertension, as we're talking about today, or uh, diabetes or cancer, whatever the gene is, right, you need to give that gene ammo to express itself. But if you eat properly and exercise regularly, along with some other things, the gene won't be allowed to come to the surface. You might have certain genes in your body, but you have to activate those genes. You have to switch those genes on. For those of you who have seen Forks Over Knives, for those of you who haven't, you should stop and watch it right now or wait to the end of the podcast. But you might remember that there was a study done with casein in rats. Casein is a type of pro is a protein from uh, animals. So... When these rats were fed a diet of 20% casein or more, it turned on the cancer gene and the, cats got, the rats got cancer. When they fed them a diet of, I believe it was 5% or less of casein, the cancer gene turned off and the cancer uh, went into remission. So you have, might have genes in your body, but you have to turn them on, okay? Now... There have been dozens of studies going back as far as the 1920s showing that people who eat a plant-based diet have lower blood pressure than omnivores. In, there was a study that was um, called the Adventist II study, which looked at 89,000 Californians, and it found that those who only ate meat on a weekly basis had a 23% lower rate of high blood pressure. Those who cut out all meat except for fish had a 38% lower rate. Those eating no meat at all, which so still having dairy, but vegetarians, had less than half the rate. And those who went 100% plant-based appeared to have eliminated three-quarters of their risk, 75%. That's astounding, just from diet alone. Now, one of the most amazing diet change studies was conducted by this guy named John McDougall, and he's a doctor. And the study followed 500 subjects with a variety of health problems who attended a 12-day residential lifestyle modification program. And what they did is they consumed a low-fat, whole foods, plant-based diet, which is what I advocate. 
including fruits, vegetables, whole grains, uh, you know, legumes, but they ate zero animal products and were not allow- allowed to have any alcohol. I know, bummer, right? There were zero restrictions on portion size, meaning that they could eat as much as they wanted, as frequently as they wanted, so long as they uh, were 100% plant-based and had no, no alcohol. And what they found, or I should also note that the subjects also exercised and practiced stress management techniques. Okay, So there was a little more than diet here, but the bulk of it, the experiment, was, was through their diet. And what they found was that within 11 days, subjects experienced significant drops in blood pressure. And in most of the subjects, all of the blood pressure medications that they were taking were stopped shortly after beginning the program. So you really don't need to be taking those pills that are just brutalizing your body. Okay, You can be done through diet, exercise, stress management techniques. Now... The American Heart Association, the AHA, does not recommend a 100% plant-based diet, which is bananas. But they recommend something called DASH, uh, which is essentially just a low-meat diet. But perhaps they didn't, you know, have all the evidence from these studies when they came up with their recommendation. And they just never got around to changing it, right? Government's slow to adapt. These studies, you know, somebody didn't look at them close enough. They didn't have all the studies. They didn't have sufficient evidence. Um, So they came up with DASH, right? That's actually factually wrong. The AHA, the American Heart Association, had all the data from these studies. But what happened is that they didn't think that the American public could handle giving up all animal products. So they tweaked the recommendation to make it more palatable, to to, to, to not shock the public too much. And to some extent, this makes sense, right? Like I said, you don't want to shock people too much and not get them to make any changes as a result. But being that over a thousand people a day die from high blood pressure, maybe let us, you know, the adults, the American public, get the whole truth and decide for themselves what they're able to handle. You know, they're they're recommending this low meat diet which is, I guess, better than recommending a whole meat diet. But, you know, recommending a a low meat diet is only going to lower your rate by 23% or so. Whereas, if you recommended a no meat diet or a whole food plant-based diet, you're looking at 50 to 75% lower rates, which is a vast difference. So maybe give us the whole truth and let us decide for ourselves if we can handle it or not. So another thing that that needs to be watched out is sodium. And it should be limited. You should get no more than 2,300 milligrams a day of sodium for an average person. And if you are sensitive to salt, you should cut that in half. What you should do, and what everybody should do, whether you're whether you have hypertension or you're sensitive to salt or not, is you should ditch the processed foods because processed foods use a lot of salt in in them. Instead, just use different types of herbs and spices to flavor your meals. Dill's great. Oregano's great. There's a a whole host of fantastic spices and herbs to flavor stuff that you don't need salt for. Um, I, I use, like I talked about last week, I use Himalayan pink sea salt. 
I do a couple cranks on my salad. That's pretty much it. I really don't use a whole lot of salt. Um, so, you know, I, I like dill. That's kind of my favorite thing to flavor dishes with. But whatever you choose, uh, you know, lemon's even a good thing. Just limit the salt. Now, where was I? Right, so, you know, use different herbs and spices and, and cook more at home. And the reason for this is that restaurants really use a lot of salt also to flavor their dishes because it's cheap. It's a cheap flavoring for dishes. And what, what people have found out, studies and researchers have found out, is that sometimes restaurants, and frequently, use as much as four times the recommended daily allowance of sodium per meal. So in one meal, you're getting four days worth of salt. And we ask ourselves why we're a sick, a sick nation. Exercise is another thing you should be working in. Like I talked about, I'll have it up over the website soon, but get at least 30 minutes a day, every day of exercise. Go for a walk after dinner. Do some push-ups during the commercial break. Do some sit-ups before bed. Uh, take the stairs instead of the elevator. You know, if you're going, if you need to go to the store and it's around the corner and you can walk there, walk instead of driving. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to switch it up, and every little bit makes a big difference, especially when it comes to hypertension. And you'll, I mean, it gives you more energy. You'll burn fat. There's so many benefits to it, and really no, no, uh, no costs. So exercise. And the last couple things are drinking and smoking, right? Drinking and smoking can elevate your blood pressure. Men and women who are older than, older than 65 should not have more than one drink a day, unfortunately. I know it's a bummer, but if you have hypertension, you really need to watch it. And men and women under 65 shouldn't have more than two drinks per day. Now listen, we are all guilty of it, right? They're saying on average. So if you want to go out one night, have a few beers... I'm not going to say it's healthy for you, especially if you have hypertension, but I mean, you can't, you can't restrict yourself completely. I mean, I'll go out, Friday nights are kind of my night out. I'll go out and have three or four beers, sometimes five or six. Um, but during the week, I really don't drink a whole lot. Maybe a beer, one, one beer every few days, you know, while I'm watching TV just to relax or uh, whiskey is kind of my new thing. It's kind of taking the place of beer. So I'll have a glass or two of whiskey every few days. So really kind of just pace yourself, limit yourself. Again, like I said a few weeks ago, when it comes to food, and in this case, alcohol, uh, even if you want to have a cigarette here or there, I'm not going to tell you, I'll tell you not to, but you know, you there's nobody on the face of the earth who doesn't understand that smoking is bad for them. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's nobody in the United States who doesn't understand that smoking is bad for them. If you choose to do it, fine. But Use these things as kind of as a vice, as kind of a a treat. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, alcohol and if you choose to smoke, you know, these are things that shouldn't be worked into everyday situations. You know, it might be you know a Tuesday and you said I've really rocked the shit out of work the last two days. I'm gonna have you know a whiskey and a cigarette. These are rewards um, that should not be used very frequently. Food is not a reward. Food is meant to sustain you. Um, you're not a dog. Don't reward yourself with food, okay? These are, this is, food is put on this earth to, to give you nutrients and to, 
you know, power your body and fuel your brain. So cutting off on a tangent there, but bringing it back around, smoking and drinking, especially if you have hypertension, you really got to watch it, okay? All right, so that's hypertension. Um, it really flies under the radar. If you know somebody with hypertension, if you suspect you have hypertension, uh, pass along the podcast, uh, get them to go to the doctor, get them to start eating right, send them my way, uh, I'll be happy to help. But it's, it's not a minor issue, right? It's not something that should just be ignored. Moving along, this week's plant of the week is beets. I love beets. And there are so many things that beets are good for, but I'm going to narrow it down to about six or so. So the number one thing that beets do is it helps lower your blood pressure. Duh. Why do you think I picked it for this week? Drinking beet juice may help to lower your blood pressure in a matter of hours. There was a study that was done that found that drinking one glass of beet juice lowered your systolic blood pressure by an average of four to five points. And this is most likely because um, there are nitrates, naturally occurring nitrates in beets, which are converted to nitric nitric oxide in your body. And what that does is it helps to relax and dilate your blood vessels, which improves your blood pressure and uh, your blood flow. So lowers your blood pressure. Go drink a glass of beet juice. Um, it helps boost your stamina, right? So it's a great thing to drink before, you know, it's a pre-workout instead of having that caffeinated like meth powder. People who drink beet juice usually are out able to exercise for about 16% longer. And again, this has to do with the nitrates turning into nitric oxide. Number three, it helps fight, the, the beets help fight inflammation. Beets are a unique source of what's called betaine. And what this is, is that it's a nutrient that helps protect your cells, proteins, and enzymes from outside environmental stress. It's also known to help fight inflammation, protect your internal organs, improve your vascular risk factors and enhance your performance while preventing and fighting a whole host of chronic diseases. So great for inflammation. Number four, it has anti-cancer properties. So we're bringing it back around to cancer again. I talked about cancer is a, a widely discussed topic when it comes to healthy eating. There are powerful phytonutrients that they're what give beets its deep red color. And it's these phytonutrients that might help and have been shown in certain studies to help ward off cancer. Uh, research has shown that beetroot extract reduced uh, multi-organ tumor formations in various animal models when administered in drinking water, for instance. So they mix this, this uh, beetroot extract with water. So it's been used in the treatment of human cancers for many years now, uh, specifically pancreatic, breast, and prostate. So there's no downside, right? Beets are a little higher in sugar. I'll give you that. But if you have a glass of beet juice earlier in the day, you'll burn it off. You'll be fine. They are also rich in valuable nutrients and fiber. So they're super high in vitamin C, like I said, fiber, and essential minerals like potassium, which is essential for healthy nerve and muscle function, and manganese. I've talked about this before. It's good for your bones, liver, kidneys, and pancreas. Beets also contain uh, 
folate, which is a B vitamin, which can also help reduce the risks of birth defects. I've talked about that before also. And finally, number six, is detoxification support. All right, so um, the betalin pigments in beets support your body's phase two detoxification process, which is when broken down toxins are bound to other molecules inside your body so they can be excreted from your body. So traditionally, beets are valued for their support in detoxification and helping to purify your blood and your liver. Along the same lines, because of that binding, they help remove fat deposits from your bloodstream as well, as, as, you know, as well as these other toxins. So get some beets in your diet, uh, roasting them, boiling them, juicing them. I, I, really, I really feel like juicing is the best. You know, when you boil food, it really extracts a lot of the nutrients out of it. Beets are kind of tricky because they're hard to eat otherwise. But um, you can bake them. It's a great way to keep the nutrients in them and uh, juicing them. Boiling should be your last go-to. There you have it. This week's podcast wrapped up in a bow for you. Uh, if you work at Verizon Wireless... Uh, please tell me what the fuck's going on over there. And until next week, go eat a salad.